0: Hi everyone, Pamela Larg here, your host of the Energy Transitions podcast. If you enjoy listening to our bi-weekly podcast, make sure to hit the subscribe button and take a moment to leave a rating or review wherever you're listening. This will help us spread the message and connect with our community. Thanks again for listening to the Energy Transitions podcast from Inlet and Friends. Europe needs to reform its electricity market design to ensure we have enough flexible balancing capacity to support our renewable energy targets. This was one of the findings of a new study by Watzilla, which suggests critical measures must be introduced to attract investments into flexible power and deliver an affordable and reliable transition to net-zero power systems. Anja Frida, Chief Operating Officer of Watzilla Energy Business, joins me to talk about the findings of the report and the recommendations to create a new capability market and improve price transparency. We also talk about why we can be hopeful about the next decade, what challenges need to be addressed, and how we go about mitigating risks to our future energy system. I am Pamela Larg, and this is the Energy Transitions Podcast. Anya, thank you so much for joining us today. The report that Watsil has released, it talks quite clearly about the fact that Europe's energy market is not really functioning as it should, specifically on the flexibility side, where there is insufficient capacity. Can you talk more about what this report has found?
1: Thank you for the question. And maybe I should start just by opening up a bit how we see the future of the European electricity market. So first of all, we are expecting a lot of renewables to be deployed in Europe. And for a renewable-based market to work, we need flexibility. So the flexibility part, because of the intermittency of renewables, you need the flexibility part because that's what's going to provide firm capacity on the market. So when we have done the market study, what we can see really is that the current electricity market in Europe where we should really make some changes is especially on the capacity market. So today, the capacity market that we have in place, basically, it doesn't really look at what the technology does. It just ensures that there is enough capacity. But when we have looked at what actually has been Where the investments have been, we can see that a lot of the capacity that has been increased is like not flexible capacity, which means that it's incompatible to actually balance a renewable system. So where we would like to see some changes in the market is really on the capacity side, capacity market side. What we would like to see is more a capacity market that would reward certain type of attributes of the technology, so how it works together with the renewables and ensure also that we build a future system that will work in an optimal way and really can maximise the benefit of the renewables in the future.
0: Anja, the report talks about 1,100 gigawatts of renewables capacity by 2030, And the fact that 19 gigawatts of gas or flexible gas capacity is required to support that. I mean, these are significant numbers. So clearly, changes need to be made.
1: Yeah, and this is really what we need to ensure now that there is enough incentives in the market to also make a good business case for the flexibility part, because it's such a crucial part of the Energy system of the future, and with the markets that we have today, as previously said, if we have a capacity market that doesn't really look at how the technology works, we invest in unflexible technology and not in the flexibility that we really want. So what the recommendations, what we see is that first of all, we need to have the capability market, we also need to ensure that we get more of flexible technology investments by having more granular price signals and also being better at pricing certain services that the flexibility can offer also the system. So in this way, we will have the right incentives to also for our customers to also invest in the flexibility part and ensure that we also have a very, let's say an optimal and well-functioning energy system in the future.
0: Anya, if I can ask, how do we go about addressing the shortfalls or pitfalls in our current energy system? Are we talking about policy overhauls or financial mechanisms that need to be introduced?
1: Yeah, I think the most important thing is, of course, that we will have clear incentives for more flexibility. So I think now what we see is the market, the energy only market that we have, it's not enough. So we need to, I think what we see in other markets is when we have this sort of capability market that usually is a good incentive. But I think on the flexibility side, we should really ensure that the assets or the investment has as many revenue streams as possible so they can participate in the energy only market, but they can also get some type of capacity fee so that you have as much incentives as possible to invest in flexibility. I think what we need, of course, yes, we need some reform on the policy side. So now the EU is also making their recommendation in terms of what type of recommendations they will have for the electricity system reform. I think based on what I've heard, it's not going to be... A reform, more like some smaller changes, but that's a start. I think where we really should put focus is on the capability market and also on price signals. So have better understanding of more localized areas as well, where the investment should be put and have more like granular pricing in different locations.
0: If I can delve into perhaps more of the specifics around the recommendations that the report reveals the strong granular price signals, the fact that the current electricity pricing system lacks transparency. And also you mentioned specifically a technology agnostic regulatory framework. Can you explain to our listeners a little bit more about what you mean by that?
1: So basically the technology agnostic framework is the capability market. So when we think about flexible technology today, what we mean especially is technology that it has certain attributes. So basically, what we want to achieve is this energy system that really maximizes the utilization of renewables. And how do we do that? It's by having a flexible technology that we call balancing, which can really balance the profile of the renewables. So it can basically react in seconds or minutes to the renewable generation so with the flexibility for example you can ramp up or ramp down the technology in a matter of minutes so basically you can avoid running the asset if it's not necessary because there is renewables this is what the inflexible assets are not able to do so when we talk about inflexible assets it's for example coal it's nuclear it's big gas turbines so They are not basically able to adjust their load very quickly. So if, for example, all of a sudden there would be a lot of renewable generation, it would take them, you know, half an hour, up to an hour, up to a day to even close down. And that, of course, we should try to avoid. So if we think about, for example, a big gas turbine plant, what happens basically is the renewables get curtailed. So the renewable, which it's basically free electricity almost, (laughs) would not be utilized. And then instead, you'd run these big plants, which are burning a lot of fossil fuel, which is expensive, especially in these days. So That's why we would like to now ensure with the market reform also that we really put focus on looking at what it's technology agnostic, but really looking at what the technology can do so that we build again this future in as flexible way as possible so that we can really optimize the electricity production.
0: What's interesting to note is the important role that gas will play in the foreseeable future in our energy mix. Because clearly this is how we provide the flexibility that our system needs.
1: Yeah, I think what we see on the gas utilization is gas is really a transition fuel for the future. So even it doesn't sound logical, but really gas will enable us to move to a much more renewable system because of the flexibility that it provides. So from my point of view, yes, gas will have a very critical role, especially now in this decade, to ensure that we have the firm, flexible capacity. But then what we should really aim at is to build out and invest in the renewable capacity. And then the gas-based plants will start running less the more renewables we have. And then when we have the availability of sustainable fuels, then we can also convert the existing plants that we have to start using also sustainable fuels. So I think it's really, it's a pathway, the energy transition. So here as well, I think the really good thing is that if you make an investment today in a gas-based flexible power plant, that same plant 10 years from now can be used with sustainable fuels and actually be carbon neutral or carbon free.
0: Are you seeing a greater uptake in these new technologies within gas plants where the market is really starting to embrace sustainable fuels?
1: I think we are, of course, at the very beginning of the transformation. I think where we see maybe more uptake is actually on the sectors where there is less choice. So usually you talk about the hard-to-abate sectors. So I think if they want to, like industries that want to decarbonize, their only option for example in steel will be to use hydrogen so i think these will be the primary groups where we will see the uptake on sustainable fuels but i think we see a lot of interests from the customers i think especially in europe and the us usually are the front runners so there is a lot of discussion and talk about the hydrogen readiness we also have been working with some customers on pilot plants to use hydrogen blends in our plants And more than on our marine side of the business, there is a big interest on methanol, especially, but also ammonia. So I think clearly there is interest from our customers, but I think it will take a bit of time still before we see like 100 percent sustainable fuels in use at the larger scale. But I think people are already looking ahead and preparing for the future.
0: I did want to circle back to energy storage, which plays a really important role in our future energy system. Do we have enough projects in the pipeline and gigawatt hours available to support our decarbonization journey?
1: Well, we have seen the demand rise on the energy storage side exponentially during the last, let's say, three to four years. So there is a lot of demand, actually, I think from a supply chain point of view, I think there are from a battery side, I would say it's quite okay. But now I think we are seeing more supply chain constraints on other equipment like inverters, etc. So, but I think the demand for energy storage has really gone up still with the introduction of the Inflation Reduction Act in the U.S. and also Repower EU. That has really given an even more bigger boost to the already growing demand. So. I think we are seeing at least a good demand situation from our side. So I think there will be a lot of energy storage capacity in these decades, that's for sure.
0: One thing you did say in an article you wrote towards the end of last year was that the perils of business as usual are becoming clear. You were talking specifically about the path to net zero. And I think it's so well said because business as usual isn't going to get us where we need to be. In the context of that, I want to ask you, what are you most hopeful about in the coming decade? Where do you think some of the biggest challenges lie? And what do we need to change to really get us to where we need to be? That's quite a a long three-part question, but I'm really keen to get your insights on this.
1: I think I'm most hopeful by the fact that actually to make a giant leap in the transition We can already do a lot today because we already have basically all the technologies available today to actually go quite far. So based on the modeling also that we have done, we can see that we can achieve an 80 percent renewable energy system just by deploying renewables and flexibility and technologies. With flexibility, I mean gas-based power plants and energy storage. So I think that I'm really hopeful (laughs) I think we need to, if we talk about challenges, I think the biggest challenge we have probably today is the fact that we have a very slow permitting process for renewables that at least goes for Europe, but I think also in other places. And I think that's really, really crucial to ensure that we have a renewable-based system and we get a lot of the renewables deployed. What would need to change? That's a difficult one. <laughs> a lot of things need to change. <laughs> But I think we are seeing a change in mindset also. I think this is our climate change and that's really an issue for all of us. So I think if there are still people who haven't realized it, I hope their minds will change and ensure that we can also work together to find the right solutions for the future.
0: Well said. Anya. my final question What do you think is the biggest threat to our energy transition right now? You know, we have looked at some of the challenges, but if there was something that caused you sleepless nights, what would it be?
1: Well, I think what we saw last year in 2022 is really the geopolitical situation has been very difficult. And I also see that actually as the biggest threat on the decarbonisation journey and reaching the net zero. We are still working in a global context today. And if the situation escalates from where it is today, I think that is really our biggest threat to make this happen. So I hope we can sort things out <laughs> and I hope we can avoid having anything critical happen because that would really be hurtful also for the path that we have taken.
0: What is next for Watsila? What are your plans with this report? How do you plan to utilize the findings?
1: I think what we, of course, we need to get our voice heard. So I think what we have been working out is some really good recommendations to take forward. So of course, we need to ensure that the policymakers also hear our message. So I think we will continue to to have the right discussions with the right people and also influence so that we can get some of these recommendations through. We are working on a similar type of recommendation also for the US. So we will do the same actions also there, but I think it will be really crucial to do the right messaging on this so that we can ensure that there will be a good incentives to invest in flexibility. And we will ensure also that we build our electricity system for the future in an optimal way.
0: Anya, any final comments or thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Thank you for the opportunity
1: to talk. And these are, of course, important things to talk about and also spread our message. So thank you for having the opportunity to talk with you today.
0: Thank you, Anya. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this Energy Transitions podcast, brought to you by Enlit and Friends. Visit enlit.world for more episodes. See you next time.